Hey guys, so I had someone ask me the other day if I had any episodes that have my story in it and I said no and I've been pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off, um, talking about my story because honestly I don't find myself that interesting. I found other people super interesting who love hearing about other people's stories but I don't really like sharing my own because I just feel like it's not interesting enough. But I would like tell other people about my stories and they'd be like, no, it's really interesting. You should share it more. So even though I've been pushing this off, I decided it's time. I think it's a good enough time. I think it's time to start sharing. Um, maybe one of you guys can resonate with this story and maybe, yeah. So, I feel like where my story really starts is in 6th grade. So in 6th grade, I went to Palisades Intermediate School. It was a middle school on the other side of the hill. I'm supposed to go to Mara last, but I didn't end up going because there's this guy who's bullying me in elementary school and I really didn't want to be close to him. And my best friend was going to PBIS. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to go to the other side. I'm going to go to that school. My best friend's there. I won't have to deal with this guy anymore. It will be better. So I go to this school, 6th and 7th grade. I had an eating disorder, which kind of weirds me out now when I think about it. I didn't admit it at the time, but when I think about it, I was 11 years old when that started. And, you know, my sister's 12 years old, and it's just weird looking at her and thinking what I was going through in that time of my life. So I didn't really admit to myself that I was dealing with an eating disorder and I had a problem. I kind of thought, um, I didn't realize I had a problem. So during lunch, I used to take my lunches and throw them away. And my friend started to notice that I was eating less and less and getting smaller and smaller. And quite honestly, I didn't notice it at all. I didn't think I was getting smaller. I thought I was, in my head, I thought that I was still not the size that I wanted to be. And I put so much weight on the number, on what size are my jeans, how, what size am I? And that happened for years. So my friend decided to go and tell my um, my mom and my grandparents about it. And so they would used to make me eat in front of them and make sure that I would still eat food. And that definitely helped. Um, yeah. So that happened. And then I remember one day... I was still dealing with this. I didn't want to admit it to myself. And my mom had a conversation with me. And she was like, you know, if you continue to do this, your sister's not going to have a sister anymore. And that was kind of the clicking point for me, realizing that I have to accept this problem. I have to fix this problem. And that I am not less than because I do have this problem. I thought... Having this problem made me not good enough and that I was already not good enough. So this was another reason why I wasn't good enough. And I had to really detach from that problem and realizing that 
that number and that weight only had as much power as I was giving it, and I was giving it a lot of power. So, after that, 6th and 7th grade, 7th grade I dealt with um, issues with my best friend. We were friends, and then we had a fallout. And then I didn't have any friends anymore. She took the other friends in our group and put them against me and said, um, and they all kind of would bully me during lunch and make me feel like I wasn't good enough. And then they would tell me that I should just um, leave and that I should just kill myself because I wasn't good enough. And so... Then during lunch, I used to avoid them, and I would go into classrooms and go hang out with teachers. <laughs> I've always hanged out with people who are older than me. And I've just always been drawn to people who are older, and I'm still like that to this day. I don't really hang out with people my age. I'd rather hang out with people who are older. So after that fallout with my friend, I decided, you know what, I'm going to switch middle schools, and I'm going to go to Marylust. So I end up going to Marylust on the other side of the hill. End up having a great eighth grade year. And towards the end of the eighth grade year, I was in this elective class called Office. And in this class, you give like slips and like people would leave from class, have their parents pick them up. And basically my job was just to go into classrooms and give slips to the teachers. So in this class, we had a lot of free time, we can do homework, so I would bring my book every day (laughs) and just read my book, and then there's two other guys in the office. And one of the guys was Asian, the other guy was Croatian, tall, brown hair, blue eyes. So I I pretty much didn't talk to these guys, I would just sit in the corner (laughs) and read my books. And I don't know how they started the conversation with me. I don't know if they asked me about my book or something, but somehow they were able to get me to start talking to them. So I started talking to them, end up becoming friends with these two guys, end up getting really close with the Croatian guy for the sake of the story, um, we'll call him Matthew. So I get really close with Matthew, end up talking to him every single day. And then that summer, the summer before freshman year, we started dating. We would talk every day, every night we would go on Skype calls until like 1am and yeah, so we started dating. He was my first ever boyfriend, first love, all of the above, and we went to Catalina together, Disneyland, and so we dated for 8 months in freshman year, and we got pretty close. We were friends, and boyfriend and girlfriend, and... Towards the end of those eight months, I started to notice we all had, I had a class with him and I started to notice that there was this other girl who had a class with him, was in our class together and had another class with him. And I noticed her interactions with him and I noticed the way that she started to look at him and the way that she started to look at him, I could tell that it wasn't like a friendship sort of way. It was like, I'm into you. I want to be with you sort of way. She just had that glazed look on her face and I could totally tell. <laughs> so I would talk to him about it and he would say, no, you're crazy. You're making this up. I'm never a dater. This is just something that you came up with in your head. So it's like, okay. 
So I let it go. And then one morning, this was, he gave me, he wrote me a text. And on this text, it says, sorry, Sophia, I can't be with you anymore. I don't love you anymore. Um, that was it. And so I got that text one morning and I was actually with my confirmation group on my way to Youth Day, which is a Catholic summit. It's in Anaheim. And I didn't tell him I was going to that event. He just knew that I wasn't going to be there that day. So I was going on to that event. I was in the bus and I got that text message and it totally like shook me up and just, it felt like my heart was being ripped out. Um, there's nothing quite like that first breakup. It's definitely challenging. And I remember crying on my friend's shoulder on the way to the summit and thinking, oh, I just want to go home. I don't want to be at the summit anymore. I don't want this to ruin my experience, but I just don't think I'm in a great mental headspace to be at the summit. But I ended up going anyways because I was already in the bus and car already took off so I couldn't really get out (laughs) but I don't think it was a coincidence that that happened at that timing I think the universe purposely set up that up so that I would be supported by a group of people in an environment that would help me get through that day and realize that there's more love and there's more options out there and not to get caught up in this one option that didn't work out so after that, um, that following weekend, a couple days later, he ends up going on a date with a girl who I asked him about. They end up dating for like a year. And she's actually pretty cool. We actually end up becoming friends later on, which is the interesting part of the story. The way I interpreted that text was, you're not lovable. That's the way I really took it. And so then I went into a kind of a spiral of binge eating. I, sh- I dealt with that for like two or three years. And I just thought, if you're not lovable anymore, if you gain this weight, it will go with the story that you're not lovable. So I used like the weight as a protection and I would just eat all my emotions. I would eat Oreos and peanut butter and all the cereal and it was it was bad it was really bad and within a span of three months i ended up getting gaining 30 pounds which was crazy couldn't fit into my clothes anymore i was so ashamed about the weight that i gained i didn't want to go to friend events i didn't want to go to family events i didn't want to do anything because i was just so stuck in that spiral and i was so ashamed because i used to be the healthy girl I used to be the girl who was always fit, the girl who always had it together, always at the gym. And all of a sudden, I wasn't the healthy girl anymore. You know, I was the overweight girl. So, went through that. Definitely struggled with that. The turning point for me with that was one day, it was after I was binge eating. And my uncle dropped off my sister at the house. It was just me and my sister. And a couple minutes after they left, I ended up getting acid reflex and just throwing up on the floor and being like so ashamed that I'm causing all this pain and all this unnecessary 
pain to myself and I was like I just can't do this anymore so I started researching binge eating and how to get over it and I started getting into all of that research and I would go onto YouTube as we do <laughs> and just go and watch tons of videos about it. And this one video was by this vegan influencer. She lost a hundred pounds and she was talking about how going vegan really helped her because being on a plant-based whole foods diet, she finally felt full and she felt all the nutrients helped her and it helped her not. So I was decided, you know what, that's what I'm going to try. So I was vegetarian for a couple months, then eventually I went vegan, and the turning point from vegetarian to vegan was that I was looking at documentaries, and I started listening to all the documentaries, and I was like, you know what, I'm already halfway there, might as well just go all the way in. <laughs> so I did that, and that was definitely life-changing for me. I feel like the person I was before I went vegan versus after is two totally different people. I am so much more energetic. My skin is so much more clearer now. And I'm actually grateful for the way it worked out and the way everything happened. Because I think if I didn't have some sort of health thing going on, I probably would have never had the desire to research. Never would have had the desire to try something new. And going vegan is like one of the best decisions I've made. So so I went vegan in 2016 of August. So it's going to be four years this August, which is kind of crazy. So then I started researching ways to get over a breakup on Google. <laughs> which is quite the interesting search. But I was just looking through and I started reading different articles looking at different videos, and that's just my way of figuring out anything. I go to Google and I just watch videos or listen to a podcast about it. So anyways, I was Googling that and I started noticing personal development, podcasts, journaling, and all that stuff coming up. So I was like, okay, I started listening to podcasts, I started listening to Lewis Howe's podcast, Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, you know, all the greats. And I really got into listening to podcasts and personal development. And this was around the time, I think I was a sophomore or junior in high school when this happened. And so I started really getting into it. I would listen to podcasts every day. And... It really definitely helped me during this time. And then I started listening to business podcasts. I started to realize there's so many options for what you can do. So many different options for career. And I think growing up at my school and in that environment, I thought the only option I had was to go to college, go for four years, get a stable job. And that's pretty much it. I think that's what I saw. Freshman year, I thought I was going to become a psychologist. <laughs> I think that's quite honestly because I have a crazy family and I wanted to understand them. But anyways, my dad used to send me these lists of jobs that make over a hundred grand per year. And he would send me those articles any every often and he would tell me you have to pick a job from this list. So I had this idea in the back of my mind that I needed... A degree and I needed this certain job 
in order to appease him. And once I started listening to all those business podcasts, I started to realize, you know what? I really don't want to go to college. And just, I was the kid in high school who would purposely change my schedule just so I'd spend the least amount of time in school. And I was the girl that if you wanted to figure out how to make money online, you would ask me. Like I'd sell on Poshmark, Mercari. I was just always that girl. And my friends used to ask me about like graduation credits and how do I leave school early and... I remember junior year, I left at 12 p.m. in the afternoon. At lunchtime, I would leave. Senior year, I left at 11 (laughs) a.m. So I was really good at figuring out how to leave early. And I was doing a total of the amount of days that I wasn't at school. And it was quite a bit. So I definitely did not like school. I missed a ton of days of school. I still managed to get a high GPA. I would never study for tests, but I still managed to do well on them. And it was just something that I just never really liked. I always felt like it was like trying to put me in a box. And like the way I like to learn is I like to learn from whoever is doing the thing that I want to do. So that's my preferred method. So listening to Gary Vee and all these people made me realize, you know what? I'm not going to go to college. It just doesn't feel in alignment for me. And I feel like it just wouldn't make me happy and it would make me feel full of debt and it just wouldn't be good for me in the long term. And I feel like I'd only be doing this to appease my dad. And so I'm really glad that I was able to find Gary B and all those people and realize that there's different options. If something's not in alignment for you, it doesn't make sense to do it if it's just to appease someone else make someone else happy but if you're making yourself miserable trying to make someone else happy it's really not worth it so then I started studying and I got my real estate license at 18 got my NMLS license to be a loan officer at 19 took me one time to get my real estate license and it took me three times to get my NMLS license an OLS license is definitely super hard. Um, you only get three chances. I passed on the third chance. And if you don't pass within those three times, you have to wait six months. And the inspiration behind me taking that test was my dad showed me one of his checks. And he made over 30000 one month. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I need that license. <laughs> I need to try that. So I end up studying and studying and studying. And the only reason I passed that last third time was because I was completely married to that book. I was trying so hard. I was studying eight hours a day. Like, I was studying harder than I had to study for anything ever in my life. And I was so nervous before the test. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to pass this or not. I ended up passing, and I was so happy. And so I ended up applying to Cash Call. And I applied to them before. I wanted to get into their NMLS program. They have a program where they help you pass the test, but they didn't end up taking me. And one of the guys who works at Cash Call, I don't think he was like a fan of me. He thought that I was too young and that I wouldn't be a good fit for the program. So I didn't get in. 
And so I ended up studying on my own, passing, and then applying again. And then another manager hired me. And I am one of the youngest ones to work at that company. And I think that that is pretty cool. And I feel like working there, I definitely had to prove that my age wouldn't be an issue. Because, you know, they look at someone who's 19 and they say, is she ready for this? Can she do this? Is she mature enough for this? Because, you know, when you're doing a loan for someone, you're dealing with hundreds and thousands of dollars. You're dealing with the house over their head. You don't want to mess it up. And you want to do right by the customer. And you want to make sure the customer has the best experience possible with you. So they want to come back. So I ended up getting in. And I started off as a, a customer service. I would do call outs ask them if they were interested in refinancing and then if they were I would pass them over to a loan officer because I had to wait for my license to come in and when your license is not in you're not allowed to talk about rates you're not allowed to talk about any of that stuff you're only allowed to initiate the call so I did that and that was my first time ever doing call outs talking to so many people on the phone dealing with people mad on the phone (laughs) You know, all the experiences that initiators go through. And that made me so much more comfortable with the phone and talking to people and just like talking to people you don't know as an introvert. That's not something that comes comfortable to me. So it doesn't feel natural. So I did that for a couple months. And then this new class of people came in from the class that I was supposed to be in, the NMLS program, and we, one of my friends is the trainer. She would help them learn how to use the system, learn how to call out, what to say, the scripts and all that, and she was gone for a couple of days, so they needed someone to manage those people. It was like 16 people, so they're like, okay, let's have Sophia do it. <laughs> And that's what my friend said. And like all the managers are like, oh, I don't know about that one. She's a young one. I don't think she's going to be ready to manage people. So they just kind of like threw me in there. <laughs> They're like, Sophia, go manage them. I was like, okay, figure it out. Anyways, I ended up managing them, teaching them about the system. And the other managers were surprised because I don't think they thought that I can manage people. So I managed them. And then started doing loans and it's crazy the amount of growth and amount of experiences I've had from doing that job it's definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone a lot so then a couple months later a couple yeah a couple months later the guy who was the manager who didn't necessarily want me to be part of the company ends up offering me a job as a trainer for him Um, I ended up not taking the job because I'd rather be a loan officer. They make more money. But it's funny how the person who didn't want me there ends up offering me a job later on. And I think when you have, when you're the youngest person in the room, you kind of feel like this urge, like you have to prove yourself and you have to really show that your age isn't an issue to others. And... So while I was a loan officer and it taught me so much about sales, 
how to talk to customers, how saying the wrong thing can turn a customer off, and how everyone's different, everyone's personality is different, and when you're selling through your phone, really all you have is your tone of voice, they can't see your facials, can't see your expressions, and like talking to a customer and getting the customer to trust you and building that relationship is so important. So we would do calls and they would actually make us listen to some of our calls. So that was definitely, I definitely didn't want to hear my voice. I was like, I don't want to hear my voice. I don't like my voice. Why do I have to hear my voice? Anyways, so they would have us listen to her voice just to see at what point in the call did you do something Maybe you said the wrong thing. What could you do better in your next call? So I started listening to my voice. And I would have customers that tell me, you just have like such a kind voice. You have such a nice, calm voice. I like your voice. And it's so weird because like growing up, being bullied and all that stuff, I always thought my voice wasn't that great. So they would tell me that. And I think that's what really helped me get over the whole voice thing and really start the podcast because that was one of my blocks too was I don't want to hear my voice all the time. I don't like my voice. I don't want to hear it. So anyways, and I started working there in November of 2019. In December of 2019, and I ended up getting into a car accident. So I was driving at six o'clock or seven o'clock at night. I have a different interview, a different solo episode about it, but basically I was driving and there's two lanes. I was on the line on my left. Now all of a sudden this car that was on my right side ends up hitting the right side of my car and it ends up totaling my car and taking the complete right side out of it. And it totally happened, like the other driver was going pretty fast, I didn't see it, I didn't have time to react or anything. All of a sudden, I'm just blacked out. So blackout, I have no idea how my car stopped, I have no idea how a lot of things happened that day, but somehow my car stopped, which is great, because if it would have gone into the other side of the road, or towards oncoming traffic, it could have been super bad. Um, I never, I don't know if I would have made it out of the car. Who knows what would happen if that were to happen. So anyways, I get in the car accident, end up somehow moving my car to the other side of the road, getting out of the car. And I remember getting out of the car and just feeling so angry at the other driver. Like I was like feisty, my head was like blowing up. I was just so fiery and I was so ready to yell at her. And then she looked at me like, how could you come, how's this, this is all your fault. And I was just looking at her like, this is all your fault. <laughs> Even though I didn't say that, but I really wanted to yell at her and like make a scene. And then I started doing breathing exercises at the side of the road. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to call AAA. I'm going to calm down. <laughs> I'm going to just sit here and breathe. Because me getting angry at this other driver me getting pissed off, me yelling at her, causing a scene, it's really not going to solve anything. It's just going to cause a scene and it's just going to add fire to the situation. And it's not going to fix anything. It's not going to take me back in time and redo the accident. It's not going to do any of that. At the end of the day, 
the person who's in charge of the car accident, the person who handles it all is like the insurance companies. The insurance companies determine the amount of money, what gets fixed, all of that is the insurance company. So me arguing with this other girl isn't going to do anything. So I realized that, calmed down, and then after that accident, I just remember feeling like that life is just so impermanent, you know? We never know what can happen. We never know if someone's going to pass a red light and hit a car. We never know any of that. And while that's kind of scary and it's definitely intimidating to think about, it makes you realize how important it is just to live in this moment right now and to just tune into what's going on and just be here and just embrace all the things you want to do and go after everything that you want because you don't know if you have tomorrow you don't know if you have the day after that you just really have right now so that definitely shift shifted my life and yeah so then I got furloughed in March and I'm supposed to go back on June 30th so hopefully that happens I'm actually looking forward to getting back to work I miss work I have all these things I want to go do. I want to go do a retreat in Morocco. I want to go to Spain. I have all these things that I want to do. So I definitely want to go back to work so I can start saving. I want to be able to buy a house. There's all these things on my list. So anyways, that's my story. And another part that I feel called to talk about is parents. So, you know, growing up, I have the most amazing mom, but my dad is definitely not the dad that I wanted. He's definitely not the one, if I would have chose, he was not the one I would have chose. He's just not that, but I think that our parents are assigned to us based on what we need to learn, and they're assigned to us for a reason, you know, even though my dad was not emotionally available and not the best father. He wasn't present for everything. He definitely always made me feel like I was never enough. Um, I got really lucky that my mom was so amazing and she's my best friend and I couldn't have asked for a better mom. And I feel like she always felt this pressure to be twice the parent just because she felt like she had to fill the gap for my father. Anyways, it can be hard when you're dealing with a parent who's, you know, makes you feel like you're inadequate and that you're never going to be enough and that you just don't really matter. You know, he, he told me that I'll never be successful, that I'll never make a lot of money, that I'll never be anything. He always made me feel like I was just not enough. And part of that is his conditioning, the way that he was grown up, the negativity that his parents brought onto him. But still, it can be hard to listen to. It can be hard to be around. It could be a negative energy. It could be very toxic. But anyways, um, and then after my car accident... We were driving, it was me and my mom in the car, and he said, you know, if you would have died in that car, it would have been fine. It would have been less work for me. And he said it, and 
he doesn't acknowledge that he says it. He's kind of bipolar, but just hearing him say that was definitely one of the hardest comments to shake off that he's said so far, you know? And the part I just feel called to talk about is just sometimes I feel like we have our parents for a reason, even if they're not the one that we necessarily wanted or not the one that we necessarily get along with. So yeah. But I'm glad that I do have him as a parent because I feel like he shows me an example of what I don't want to be like if I ever am a parent. And I feel like because of his negative comments and because of the things and the emotional things I've had to go through with him, um, I have this drive that I probably wouldn't have had if I did not have him as a father. I think if I didn't have him as a father, I'd be pretty content, you know, I'd be pretty okay with whatever happens, but because I've had him as a father, I feel like I have this crazy drive, I have this crazy motivation to want to buy a house in my 20s, to want to make a ton of money, to want to do all these things that people my age don't necessarily always do, and to want to make an impact, and to want to, there's just all these things I want to do, and all this, I feel like I would be pretty content if I didn't have that, so even though we have negative experiences, we have things in our lives that don't necessarily play out the way that we wanted them to. I feel like we can always use them as fuel and turn them into a positive thing. So that's my story so far. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Love to hear your comments. Feel free to send me a DM and I hope you have a great rest of your day.